This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. So many things to get to. Playoff clinching scenarios. Who do we trust? Who do we not trust? Here on Freddie and Harry, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. I'm Gabe Nigelian from Freddie Coleman, along with Harry Douglas. And ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. But Harry is here, there, everywhere. He's like Carmen Sandiego. We're trying to figure out where he is at any given moment. The guy's hopping on planes yesterday, doing the show on one hour sleep. So then he jumps on another plane today to get to New York. And what exactly did you do on your flight today, Harry? I intended on doing work while I was on the airplane. It just didn't happen that way, Gabe. <laughs> uh, the, we landed. Flight attendant, she told me, she was like, you, baby, got to get you some sleep. You were snoring. Your mouth was open. I was like, you know what? You right. I didn't even know a name. I was like, you know what? You right. But last night, Gabe, I, went, I literally went in my room at 9 p.m. Okay. And I was trying to watch film. And... When my wife came in the room, she said my iPad and laptop, all that stuff was all over the place, all over the bed. I think I went to sleep within five minutes of trying to watch film. <laughs> Had to be five or ten minutes. I was knocked out. I woke up at 4 a.m. this morning like, what's going on? Like, I was in disarray. You know how you wake up, I didn't yeah. set an alarm, and you don't know what the hell's going on? Like, that's You're how I was. you not sure where you are. No. Like, where am I? So I just, once I realized I was at home, it wasn't one of those nights that I had in college, I realized I was home. <laughs> I went in there and made my kids lunches and got, got, them, got their stuff together the whole nine. But boy, I needed that rest on the airplane and I needed that rest last night. So are you someone like me? Because I can fall asleep anywhere. Like, I feel that's a gift. Is that, you know, when you're as tired as you probably were, again, coming off of the Sugar Bowl and doing everything you did, um, you know, for the Sugar Bowl, being on the, the side casts and doing all the things you did and only getting one hour sleep, like, you can just kind of fall asleep anywhere, right? Oh, yeah. 100%. Especially airplanes. So normally, I like, if I'm not, not going to do work, if I have any intentions on doing work while I'm on the airplane, I will fall asleep before the plane even takes off <sighs> and, and, and wake up right when we land. That's the best, isn't it? Oh yeah, that's just the best. You just catch a little nap before you got more work. You got to hand up, you know, end up doing. Yeah. What's do, do you have any weird places you've fallen asleep? Because I've got a lot of. When I was a kid, I used to fall asleep getting haircuts. <laughs> Me and like, you when I was both. A kid. <laughs> <laughs> so so no, I remember Robert Morgan played at Florida State yeah. wide receiver. Mm-hmm. So his um, grandmother used to cut my hair, right, uh, okay. M- Mrs. Morgan. And boy, Mrs. Morgan didn't play about you, about you being still. Every time I would fall asleep, she'd yank my head. Wake up, boy, <laughs> and keep your head still. She, Mrs. Morgan didn't play no games. <laughs> Mrs. Morgan wasn't playing, boy. Oh, man. Be a part of the Freddie and, and Harry Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Call us, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of ice cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Let's get to the main thing. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. 
Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. The Freddie and Harry Podcast. The main thing, the main thing. 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 The main thing with Freddie and Harry. I'm still trying to figure out just exactly what the Philadelphia Eagles are. Because they've got an opportunity. They've already locked up their playoff spot. And if they get a little bit of help, you know, they can end up as high as the two seed potentially this weekend. But with the way they've played, losers of four of their last five, how do they turn things around? Because this was a team that was, in terms of power rankings, they were one, two, or three. They were one of the top teams. You know, they kept winning all those games early in the season. I mean, one and four in their last five, as I mentioned, and they're 11 and five on the season. So they were 10 and one at one point, Harry. And they have just completely fallen off to the point where nobody believes in them anymore, despite for three quarters of the season being one of the handful of teams that you thought could win a Super Bowl. Is There's only one game left in the regular season. Can, is it possible they could turn things around? I don't know if it is, because it's not like guys on the rosters like that's going to change, right? When you look at their secondary, their secondary has been not good at all this season. They've given up a lot of yardage. Um, and then you look at the game versus the Arizona Cardinals, and a lot of people will say going into that matchup this past weekend that, hey, you know what, Philly's good. Dallas is not going to have an opportunity. Boy, were they wrong, right? And they struggle, mm-hmm. you know, stopping the run game, which is mind-boggling and baffling to me because when you look at Howie Roseman and what he invested into this football team, especially that defense and that defensive line, who led the National Football League in sacks last year with 70, that defensive line not having their imprint on that football game, you know they had zero sacks versus Arizona, but the inability to stop Ooh. the run as well. And I, and I know Kyler Murray is incorporated in that too, and it's a different dynamic, but still, stopping the run is stopping the run. And that's kind of the baseline things of, of a defense from mighty might, you know, little league football to middle school, uh, high school, you get to college and National Football League. The first thing a defensive coordinator says is, hey, guys, we got to stop the run. They did a poor job of that this past weekend. The last five games, like you mentioned, one and four in the last five, uh, each team has rushed for over 100 yards in that matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles. Not to mention how, you know, the inability to stop the pass game with opposing quarterbacks. They haven't been able to do that. Whether it was, you know, Drew Locke with the Seattle Seahawks or, you know, Dak Prescott with the Dallas Cowboys, and we've seen how Brock Purdy was able to carve him up, even though it wasn't a ton of passes down the football field, but the inability to tackle ball carriers in space. So this defense right now is looking good, uh, not looking good. They're 23rd in total defense. They're 28th in pass defense. They're 29th in points allowed, allowing 25.1 points per game. And then they're 30th. One of the most important downs, what we call money down, third down, they're 30th in the National Football League with allowing te- opponents to, you know, convert 46.6% of their third downs. 
I'm with you in terms of I think this is mostly a defensive issue. The offense has turned the ball more over more yep. than they did a year ago. Jalen Hurts has had more turnovers. Touchdown production is roughly similar. So you know the big plays and the good plays are in there. But most really good defenses are able to make you one-dimensional. And, and you mentioned how they're stop, struggling to stop the run. That's been evident since the bye week. So they went into the bye week after beating the Cowboys at home 8-1. and one. November 5th, they're 8-1, and one, feeling great. They'd only allowed one opponent to rush for 100 yards. And every opponent since the bye week has gone for at least 100 yards, capped off by the 221 yards the Cardinals had this last week. And if you can't make those teams one-dimensional, you can't have those pass rushers pinning their ears back to go after the quarterback the way they were able to a year ago. So when I look at what's wrong with this team recently, I think it has to be stopping the run. And clearly defense is something that's at the forefront of Nick Sirianni, their head coach's mind, because he did the old switcheroo with his defensive coordinator, trying to figure all of that out. Well, because of that, Sirianni, the coaching staff, has been getting a lot of blame defensively. But A.J. Brown, Eagles wide receiver, thinks, well, maybe the coaching staff is taking a little too much of the heat. Like for the Seattle game, that was on us. Like we we messed that up. We 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 improvised and we went on our own. And Nick came out and said, "Oh, I I, I wanted to try to get a flag or something, something crazy like that." Like he really made himself look look like a fool for us. I have nothing but respect for him. Like you know what I'm saying? Because not all coaches do that. You know what I'm saying? So like we ride with Nick. We ride with Brian. We just got to come out. We just got to play ball. It's highs and lows, and you see the glimpses. So that's why I'm like. We right there. We right there. Despite everything, despite everybody saying this and saying that, like we right there, and, and, we, and we know we are. And that's the only thing that matters. Is we know. We know. You can say whatever you want to say, but when it happens, then it's gonna be like, oh, what is going on? Oh, oh, oh. What if it don't happen? Then we're gonna try again. That's what it is, and that's what you how you have to approach life. I love that from AJ Brown. Saying, hey, this is on us. This is on the coaches. We've got guys. We've got a lot of really good players here. And some of these losses are 100% on us. I'd love to hear that from a player like A.J. Brown. Well, let me say this, too, though, because I think one of the things that he left out of there is that the game versus Arizona, right? I believe they had 28 plays in the second half. Mm-hmm. One of those plays went to A.J. Brown. It's, it's, it's no way in hell in any game, any shape or form, that your number one wide receiver should see one play out of 28 or however many that you have in the second half. So Brian Johnson has to do a better job of that. He, he has to get his main guy in the groove. Also, I think the run game has to be pivotal for this football team. And when I mean the run game, that's DeAndre Swift. That's, that's Gainwell. It's also Jalen Hurts. All these guys have to be uh, pivotal uh, uh, people in the run game and, and it being successful. Now, as far as the pass game, could the concepts be more dynamic? Yes, but here's something we got also got to realize. When you have a guy in A.J. Brown who can win one-on-one, you have a guy in Devontae Smith who can win one-on-one, you have a Dallas guy that can win one-on-one, you shouldn't have to draw up dynamic things all the time because you have all those weapons that can win one-on-one. But if it gets to a point in which we've seen the Philadelphia Eagles at times st- stall within their offense, you might have to have that in your back pocket. You might have to have – those 
five to ten plays where you might have to do that, where you have to just scheme to get people open, not saying that they need it, just because things might be stale offensively from that kind of a standpoint. And we see what Shane Steichen is doing right now with the, with the Indianapolis Colts and how he, he with a backup quarterback in Gardner Minshew, he's been able to get those guys. So I, I honestly feel like they've, they've missed him tremendously this season. Yeah, I think you've seen that across the league. Teams losing their offensive coordinators. That's been certainly a theme that's come up with the Chiefs the last couple of weeks. Oh, maybe they're yep. missing Eric Bieniemy more than we thought. Maybe Eric Bieniemy does more in Kansas City than he was getting credit for. And the same thing, I think you're right, with Shane Steichen. There's a reason why he was such an attractive head coach candidate for the Colts to come and get him. And that could be a huge reason why this Eagles offense has looked a little bit different. Although... Again, you, you get to as good and as many playmakers as they have defensively, especially going up against a team that has three, four wins the way that the Arizona Cardinals do. Scoring 31 points should be enough. You should not be giving up 35 points to a team that has struggled. And I understand they're getting better. Kyler Murray, after he came back from his ACL, he's looked pretty good at times. But still, you cannot be giving up 35 points and expect to hang with some of the best teams in the NFC like you're going to have to starting next week when the postseason comes around. A.J. Brown continued as he talked. He's not Some of the body language I know has been talked about with A.J. Brown, but he said he's not upset with anybody with the team. It's just losing is tough. Everything that I do, if I say something, I do anything, I'm classified as a monster. Honestly, the, the, the opposite. You saw my frustration on the field. It wasn't about the play call. It wasn't about none of that. It was about my guy getting banged up. I'm going to need Smitty moving forward. But that was, that was it. You know, I apologize to my teammates today, you know, because uh, they shouldn't have had to answer questions on my behalf. You know, you can portray me however you want to portray me. But, you know what I'm saying, at the end of the day, like, I know who I am. So I try to be careful what I say because... You guys still gonna write it up however you want to write it up. I was a journalism major. That's your job. You know what I'm saying? So I don't, I'm not upset at none of y'all or whatever, but that's just what comes with it. But let me say, let me say this though, Gabe. There, there's also a way to do things too, mm-hmm. right? And my wide receiver coach that I had, Terry Robisky, in which all, uh, all the guys I'm about to mention in our receiver room, it was Devin Hester, it was Roddy White, it was Julio Jones, Eric Weems. We used to find each other in our meeting room for bad body language. Right? It's okay to be upset. Don't get me wrong. It's okay to be upset. But I think the body language thing is everything. I was just at a high school near my house recently, and, and the head coach wanted me to talk to one of the kids that's getting a, a major D1 scholarship about his body language. Body language is everything because, see, now people in the media can misinterpret things because of the bad body language. You can go to the sideline. You can be upset. But the bad body language is, is what gives people, you know, the lead to write certain things about you. Body language is everything, man. That's, that's why I, I praise Joe Burrow because it doesn't matter what goes on in a football game. The man, body language never changes whatsoever. It really doesn't. I really like the fact that A.J. Brown was very was taking ownership in a lot of the clips that we've heard so far today. Yep. I think that's fantastic. That's great. But like you said, a lot of times it's not about what you say. It's what you do. And you got to be able to control that. And yep. yes, it's tough, especially when you're losing, you're getting only one touch in the second half. Those things certainly can pile up. You can join our conversation on the Dr. Pepper call in line, 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776, like Cody is about to. Cody in Missouri, you're on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. I'm Gabe Nides, the, cousin, the uh, sub for Freddie Coleman today. Hey, guys. So what I'd like to say about the Eagles is, They look like a team that took their shot, missed, and now they're falling apart. I don't want to call them frauds, 
because they still got talent at every level on both sides of the ball. They've got all pros at each level. But kind of like A.J. Brown, like you're saying with that body language, they're saying the right things, but the emotions are getting to them. They're beating themselves up. They're making dumb mistakes. They're not executing to the highest degree, and it's going to bite them in the butt here in about a week and a half when they have to play somebody whose hair is on fire and they're coming in feeling sorry for themselves. Yeah, you and you hear it in post-game interviews, right? I remember after the win, I believe it was against the Giants, and Devontae Smith was like, yeah, we won, but we ain't happy. We ain't satisfied. I understand that. I get that, man. It's hard as hell. Everyone listening right now, man, it's hard as I don't know what to win a football game in the National Football League, right? So address that stuff in it when you get to the meeting room, man. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Every, everything's not meant for us to know. Everything's not meant for us to hear. And, and, you, and you appreciate the transparency, but at the same time, I was always taught everything isn't meant for us to know and for us to hear or for us to see in the media. And when it comes to the Eagles, and, and he, our caller there just went up to the edge, you know, saying, well, they're not quite frauds. And because here's the other thing with the Eagles and the NFC in particular. I mean, the NFC is about as wide open as it possibly could be. It is. If somebody upsets Detroit and they end up beating whoever wins the NFC South and the Eagles don't have to play the 49ers in round two, I don't think anybody's going to be shocked if they end up going into Dallas and beating the Cowboys because there are a lot of teams with flaws Outside of the 49ers. The 49ers are a really good team, and to knock them out of the postseason, they're going to have to get beat with, you know, they're probably not going to play their A game, and someone's going to bring their A game to beat the 49ers to bounce them out of the NFC playoffs. But the Eagles have enough talents where I'm not going to be shocked if they end up in that NFC championship game and we get a rematch from last year. Well, let me say this, though, because let's just say hypothetically, that let's just say everything ends the way it is right now. And yep. the Philadelphia Eagles, they have to go play Tampa. Well, mm-hmm. one of the things that the Philadelphia Eagles struggle with offensively is against the Blitz. We've seen that against the Dallas Cowboys on Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Football recently. So one, th- one of the things I also know is Todd Bowles is going to heat that offense up until you show me that you can handle it, until you show me you fix the problems, until you show me there aren't any more issues within the Blitz coming at a rapid pace and your offense is in disarray. So – I can't necessarily sit up here and just say, hey, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is a great matchup for the Eagles. That's fair, which is very fair. It's Because the, the Eagles, they don't run the football, and Baker Mayfield throws the football. The pass yep. defense of the Eagles are terrible. Oh, yeah. That the back end has not been very good. The, the secondary has not held up at times for them this year. And that's it's wild to me because the Eagles, in what we saw with them earlier this year versus what we're looking at now, it seems as... They have one of the highest ceilings, but they also have a pretty low floor. Yeah, like they, like you said, they could get bounced. But also, I don't think anybody's going to be shocked. It's it's what Eagles team shows up, and the way that they've played over the last five weeks has not been good. Even in the one win, as you mentioned, it just hasn't looked good. It hasn't felt good. But if they find a way to, it, it I'm not going to say I certainly believe in the Eagles if they go and win their game against the Giants this weekend. Just not going to do it because. The, the, the Giants aren't a very good football team. But at the same time, if they find something in that game that's going to carry over to the Buccaneers game, to an NFC divisional round, I wouldn't be shocked by that either because this is also a team that got to a Super Bowl last year, has that experience, and knows how to get it done. Well, here's the thing. From from a player's perspective, you don't want to go into the playoffs with questions or things lingering on your mind. So, yes, this game against the New York Giants – you want to be able to be hitting on all cylinders from an offensive standpoint, defensively, and on special teams because you don't want to have, you know, that little cloud above your head and you're saying, oh, man, 
are we going to get this right? Are we going to be good? Because as soon as you start doubting anything that you're, that you're doing, whether it's your capabilities, um, uh, units, whether it's offense or defense, whether it's special teams, then that's when thing, bad things go to happen for your organization. Is there anything else Jalen Hurts can be, should be doing to try to help right this ship for the Eagles as the quarterback, as the perceived leader of the team? Well, don't hold on to the football. Don't hold on to the football and take what the defense gives you. Right? That's, that's when he gets in trouble, when he holds on to the football. Uh, watching this team in 2022, they took the freebies. They took the free access. Right? If you have Dallas Goddard going over the football uh, on a spot route, we call it an OTB, you, if you're wide open, you hit him. You don't soul search for the big fish when the little fishes are right in front of you because, you know, first down production is everything. You want to stay in third and two to five. You don't want to be in third and eight, third and nine plus. Those situations are not ideal situations for an offensive coordinator, especially a first-year offensive coordinator calling plays. And they have good enough talent. That's the thing. You look around the wide talented. receiving core, Dallas Goddard that you mentioned earlier, Swift. They've got guys that not only can get open, but you get the ball to them with a little bit of space, they can turn that five-yard pass into a 15-yard gain in the blink of an eye. So maybe getting back to basics would be a good thing for this offense. Maybe would be a good thing for Jalen Hurts as well. We're going to continue to talk about the NFL and the quarterback position because Kenny Pickett had to stand up and deny rumors that he has refused to be the Steelers' backup on Sunday. Who should be the quarterback starting for the Steelers in a must-win situation? We'll dive into that one. Coming up next on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. Back goes Hurts. He lets it go. And it is intercepted, intercepted by Arizona. And the game is over. And the Eagles lose 35-31. to 31, And this is a bigger defeat. I still believe in the guys in that locker room. I still believe in the coaches. We think we got the guys to get it turned in the right direction. You definitely want to take advantage of every opportunity. You know, these games go a ton of different ways. But executing at a high level and doing that, good things should happen. Whew. You can really hear the booze raining down in that sound, courtesy of Sports Radio 94 WIP. It's Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. I'm Gabe Neitzel. In for Freddie Coleman today, along with Harry Douglas. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Join our conversation on that Dr. Pepper call in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Trying to figure out if the Eagles can turn it around and still be a contender in the NFC. Let's go out to Isaac in Arkansas. Isaac, you're on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. Yeah, personally, I've been an Eagles fan since 2000, so I know that I feel like my offense can turn it around. What I do worry about is my defense tackling. The scheme is okay, but they missed so many tackles in open field that it seems like we can't like really get our defense set the way we need to get it set. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The the big plays that they've allowed this season uh, amongst that defense, the linebacking group has been an issue. The secondary has been an issue, and you know at, at times when you have both of those areas on the football field. 
that haven't been so good for the Philadelphia Eagles, hell, it can start to leak into the defensive line. And we just seen that versus the Arizona Cardinals in which they weren't um, able to stop the run on top of having zero sacks in that ball game. So I just think collectively the Philadelphia Eagles, from an offensive standpoint, they're going to be okay. I am worried the most, Gabe, about that doggone defense because I don't see the physicality. I don't see guys being able to cover on the back end, and, and they're struggling. They're struggling big time. And when you have one side of the football that really needs to carry you, it just it's so hard to play free. It's so hard when the pressure's on the offense. Oh, if you want to win this game, turns out you got to be perfect. I think we saw I've seen this a couple of times. Gabe, it's draining. It's, it's also yeah. draining. Well, you take a look at like the I mean, the Jets defense this year gave up some some eye-popping numbers in terms of points. That's still a really good defense. That's just a defense that knows they have to be perfect, and it's a really hard way to play. I think we've seen some of the best of the Browns' defense since Joe Flacco took over because they know they don't have to be perfect. They know they have an offense with Flacco that can lead them down the field. It's the inverse with the Eagles thinking, all right, man, we score 31. Is that going to be enough today? So okay, I guess we got to score 40. we got to get in the end zone six times today. And that's just a lot of pressure to deal with. Triple eight, say ESPN, eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Eric in New York, you're up next. I'm Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. How you doing, Gabe? Doing great, man. How are you? Okay, Harry, how you been, man? Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year, Eric, man. I'm doing good. Glad to be back, baby. We rocking and rolling, E. Yeah, that's good. Harry, before I get into it, it's bad. Did you teach Gabe that boy bad yet? No, I haven't. I haven't. And we have that boy bad tomorrow on Get Up, 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. We oh we in full we full throttle tomorrow, baby. We got some good contestants, some good candidates, I should say. Okay. And Gabe, I gotta tell yes, you, sir. when you're with Harry, it's not the Atlanta Falcons. It's the fighting Harry Douglases. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, that is good to know, Eric. Well, cause I, I Harry gave me a sideways look yesterday. I'm surprised he was okay with me coming back after I asked a question that made him, you know, a little upset about the fight in Harry Douglas's. Yeah, but it's okay, though. You know what okay. I mean? It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> we still cool, Gabe. You, all right. I appreciate good, that. Man. I appreciate that. <laughs> ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility and great pay and benefits? Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. The Pittsburgh Steelers, on the other hand, Harry, have been a team that have been interesting because it doesn't feel like it was that long ago where the discourse and the conversation was, well, has this really run its course? Is Mike Tomlin, is he going to leave? Now they're fighting for a potential playoff berth. They're 9-7. and seven. They win this weekend. They get to double-digit wins. Maybe they sneak their way into the postseason, but that did not come without a little bit of controversy because Kenny Pickett, who's been trying to work his way back from an injury, um, apparently refused, at least there were rumors and some reports out there, that he refused to be the Steelers' backup this past Sunday. He ended up being inactive with uh, before Week 17, did have the emergency third quarterback designation, so if two quarterbacks got hurt, he could have gotten into the game. Um, but Kenny Pickett denied the reports yesterday that he was, being, he was refusing to being the backup for Mason Rudolph. I saw reports out there that I feel like we're attacking, you know, my character and how I am as a person, not even getting into a player standpoint of it. Um, there was no talk of me being a backup quarterback this week in terms of being a two. Um, if I was healthy enough to play and the trainers and coaches felt like I looked good enough to play, I was going to start and play. Um, if they believed that I was not, which they believed I was not, I was not going to dress and suit up for the game. Um, so whoever reported that, I don't know where it started. 
Um, it's kind of crazy what people will write and put out there um, to try to, you know, prove their point or help their standpoint or their careers and, and what you guys do. Um, but, you know, disappointed to see that um, without any proof or basis of it. Oh, he, he said if he was, he was going to be health. If he was healthy, he was going to play and he was going to start. Oh. That's what he seemed to think. Now, I have a tendency to doubt that because apparently he's healthy enough now, Harry, and the Steelers have decided that they're sticking with Mason Rudolph coming up this weekend trying to get to win number 10. And Pickett did say that he is going to be the backup and he wants to do anything he can to help get Mason Rudolph ready for the game. Well, I think it's the right call by Mike Tomlin. I think Mason Rudolph the last two games, when you look at his numbers against the Seattle Seahawks, he was 18 for 24, 274 yards, completed 75% of his passes. But I think the eye-catching thing uh, with Mason Rudolph is he had zero turnovers in that game. The previous game versus the Cincinnati Bengals, 17 of 27, 290 yards, two touchdowns, completed 63% of his his passes. The eye-catching part to that game, he had zero turnovers. And also, when you talk about a guy like George Pickens, who needs the football and should get the football frequently throughout a ball game, well, in the last two games, he has a combination of 11 receptions, 326 yards, and two touchdowns. But I love what they did with Mason Rudolph um, two weeks ago versus Cincinnati, right? Mm -hmm. Quick game. You know, a lot of quick reads, get the ball out, let these playmakers be dynamic. Now you come back against the Seattle Seahawks. They're moving George Pickens around. They have him in the slot. They have him on the left. They have him on the right. They got him doing a lot of different things. So now teams just can't key on him, and he's just going down the field running, you know, nine routes and just, hey, throw it up, give me a jump ball. Allow this young man to be dynamic because he is a special talent. So you move him around like you see C.D. Lamb now moves around. And we have this, we had the same conversation about C.D. Lamb early in, early in the year versus just playing in the slot. Now he's moved to X, the X receiver position, which is the single receiver, and he does a lot of dynamic things. Now George Pickens is starting to do that. And the Steelers really, really need this game, man. They need this game to try to keep their playoff hopes alive. They also need help. That's one of the worst situations you can be in Oof. when you're going into you know week 18 or the last week of the season, knowing that you may have let some games slip away and it's coming back to hunt you now, so you have to play a ball game, and you got to bank on other people losing and the other scenarios uh, working in your favor to make a playoff berth. But that's what the Steelers are right now. But I also want to point out that shout-out to Mike Tomlin, right, for not having a, a losing season still throughout his career being the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. In this offense, they've scored 30 points in back-to-back games. This team was struggling to complete a doggone pass, in my opinion, I, to get in the red zone at one point during this season. Score, they scored 30 points in back-to-back games, and that's something to be said. Now, I'm not yeah, saying – let me say this, though, first. I'm not saying Mason Rudolph, you know, is Lamar Jackson. I'm not saying Mason Rudolph is a world beater. I'm just saying for the last two games, he's been able to get the job done for the Pittsburgh Steelers at the quarterback position. And Kenny Pickett, I don't think, is going to be the future here. Uh, I just haven't seen enough of this offense be dynamic. And now you've, you've seen this offense can be dynamic, that they do have some playmakers. You bring up George Pickens and how good he can be. We've seen flashes of that. And for them to be a team that had not scored 30 points all season and then to do it back-to-back weeks, you've got to ride that hot hand. Like, this is the yep. only choice I think that Mike Tomlin had. You go back to Kenny Pickett and you run the risk of kind of an offense being stagnant, offense starting out slow, and now your team is second-guessing 
Oh, do we start the right guy this week? I'm with. I mean, Mason Rudolph has been there long enough. I mean, he's going to be a backup in this league. You know, that's that's going to be his career. He's not going to likely get another opportunity to be a starter anywhere. But he is a solid backup. He's proven and he's answered the call a couple of times now for the Steelers over the course of his career. And you got to roll with him, I think, for this game because of what he's been able to do the last couple of weeks. That offense actually has some verticality to it. You yeah. have so you have two good running backs that have there over a thousand scrimmage yards. There you go, so Gabe. to be able to complement that with hitting George Pickens over the top, that's really opened things up. And for them to do it back to back weeks, because it's one thing to do it against a Bengals team, where you're like, okay, they're kind of beat up, maybe out of it a little bit. But to go to Seattle and a team that if they won both of their final two games is in. And yep. then you do it on the road in that place to do what they did to that Seattle team. That caught my eye, and that was impressive. But the run game is very key, like you just mentioned. Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, those two guys are very pivotal to what the Steelers want to do offensively because it opens up so much in the play-action world when you're able to rush the football effectively. That offensive line, getting the push, winning the line of scrimmage, all those two things, those two things I just mentioned are very vital to the Pittsburgh Steelers having success and hopefully getting the opportunity to make the playoffs. But you got to bank on somebody else doing work for you. Who do you think is most likely to be the Steelers' starting quarterback next year? Is it Kenny Pickett? Is it Mason Rudolph? I like Russell. Or, I like Russell Wilson. Is, yeah, is it Russell Wilson? I like Russell Wilson. <sighs> that is <laughs> Gabe took a deep breath. <laughs> I, I I just look at Russ. Are you bringing him in? It, but because to, you, to you have to you have you don't have to pay him a lot of money. Give up on him. You, you, don't have, you don't have to pay him a lot of money. That's true. That's so true. You can kind of rob gonna, Peter and pay Paul a little yeah. bit because you know. The Denver Broncos on the hook for, you know, that I think it's $39 million, $39 million. So if you're going to give him five million, either way it go, he's going to make $39 million. Unless a team want to go, wants to go out there and give him $40 million, then that's a different yeah. ballgame. Well, unless somebody yeah, wants to actually trade for that yes. contract, which yeah. I highly doubt would happen. And I doubt that somebody would go out there and give Russell Wilson $40 million because you got two pretty well-respected Super Bowl-winning coaches that have given up on him in the last couple of years in, you know, A, trading him away in Pete Carroll from Seattle, and now Sean Payton also giving up on him. What about this name? I know we spent a lot of time talking about this guy yesterday. What if the Steelers end up not winning this weekend? They've got that mid-first-round pick, picking around 16, and Michael Penix Jr. falls in their lap. Ooh. Shut your mouth, Gabe. Don't you start no trouble up in here. I, it just, it just I, I, a name that I think would be a, a good fit mm, there. Somebody mm, that mm. could push the ball down the field for you, take advantage of the two running backs that you have. He can play in bad weather. Mm-hmm. Man, that's... That's a good one right there. I like I like I, Michael Penix in that situation. Yeah, I, I th- and that I really would be a do. great situation for him to land with. To, like to land, if Ooh. you are a first year starting quarterback and you get to land with a Super Bowl winning coach who's never had a losing season in Mike Tomlin, that just seems like it could potentially be a very good situation to land in. Because I like a lot of the pieces on their roster, they just haven't quite been able to figure out that quarterback spot. Ooh, Michael Penix in that with George Pickens and Deontay Johnson. Yeah. Fire weapons. Yeah, oh, yeah. They got a lot of good weapons there in Seattle. We're going to shift gears, head over to the NBA, because the Oklahoma City Thunder are starting to turn some heads. So I'm going to ask you the question Are the Thunder the new Memphis Grizzlies? I'll explain what I mean by that. Coming up next, Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. The Freddie and Harry Podcast. I'm Gabe Nigel in for Freddie today, along with Harry. Still plenty of NFL talk to get to, NFC QBs that we trust, plus. We're going to talk about my Packers at some point. But in the NBA last night, the Oklahoma City Thunder 
continued to put on a show. They have won their last five. But Shea Gilgis-Alexander put up 36 points against the NBA-leading Celtics, leading to his Thunder to a 127-123 victory last night. Harry, listen to this. So now OKC's won eight of their last nine. During the stretch, the Thunder have beaten Denver twice. They ended the Clippers' winning streak at nine, mm. beat Western Conference leader Minnesota, and now the best record in the NBA also goes down in the Boston Celtics last night. That's how hot this OKC team has been. And I almost feel like they're the new Memphis Grizzlies. Because for the last two years, the Grizzlies in the Western Conference has been this young, fun team with an electric playmaker at the front in John Morant. They finished with the two seed each of the last two years, but... Now, they've got themselves a bit of a hole to dig out of because of the decisions and choices that John Morant made. I mean, they're outside of the play-in picture. Maybe they can fight their way back now that John Morant is there. But with Shea Gilgis-Alexander, with SGA at the top of this and leading this team, you look up at their oldest player is 31 years old. Mm. Like, they have such a young, fun team to watch. They, to me, have kind of taken over that young, fun mantle from the Memphis Grizzlies with that star in SGA. I'm going to take it to another level. I think they're better than the Memphis Grizzlies when they were Ooh. making, when they were, you know, mm-hmm. balling out and yeah. John Morant was doing his thing because I think their secondary players are better. When you look at a guy like Chet Holmgren, who's it, uh, leading right now to be NBA Rookie of the Year this season, yep. his size, the ability to be able to step away from the basket, block shots. He's averaging 2.7 block shots right now. You got him who who's coming on. And that year off for him, him getting hurt was a blessing in disguise for him in his rookie season last year. I know this is technically his rookie season on the court, but last year he came into the NBA. Him getting kind hurt and not, year. Yeah, not being able to play, get a little bit stronger, understand the ins and outs of the NBA a little bit better, has, has really, really helped him out tremendously. Josh Giddy, um, not the off-the-court stuff, on-the-court stuff. Josh Giddy being able to provide, you know, Another secondary scoring option, Jalen Williams, who was their first-round draft pick in 2022 from Santa Clara. He's averaging 17.9 points per game. Lou Dort is doing his thing. So I think their secondary players, when you talk about a Shea uh, Gilgis-Alexander, I think their secondary players are way better from an offensive standpoint than the Memphis Grizzlies. So that's why I put them better. And we should have seen this happening last year, and it reminds me of the Phoenix Suns. Remember the, in, in the bubble, mm-hmm. right, the Phoenix Suns, Really started to hit their strides late in the tail end of the season. Devin and then, Booker's coming on, yep. sure. And then that next season, they started making making plays. They started making moves. They became a better basketball team. Well, we've seen the fruits of the labor that we're witnessing right now from the Oklahoma City Thunder last season. They were able to make the play-in tournament. They didn't win it, but hey, now you're seeing this basketball team, everything come together. And for the next, I'm going to say seven or eight years, you better watch out for this team. SGA, after the game, spoke about what he thinks make the Thunder such a successful team this season. Every day we just, like, we come to work the same way. Um, before games we have shoot-arounds the same way. Uh, we practice the same way. We, like, we all, well, I think we all stay in the moment, and I think that's why we've been able to get better. Um, we just stay in the moment, attack the day, kind of attack the program in front of us. Um, and then we just... We all have the right intentions and want to win at the end of the day, so we try our hardest every night um, and we'll just lean into W's. Look, right now, over at ESPN Bet, Shea Gilders Alexander is the third favorite to win the MVP at plus 400. As he should I, be. 
I, well, he, he's third in scoring I'm, right now in the NBA, but it's the way he's right doing now, it, Harry. though. He's busting up the opposing point guard's ass night in and night out. I'd, I'd think about putting down a, you know, a buck or two on that. Because here's the other thing about the NBA. We know that there's voter fatigue for whatever reason exists in the NBA that doesn't exist in other sports. Yep. But Embiid's got his. Jokic has, has his two. And those are the two people that are in front of him. If SGA and the Thunder can keep this up, which... It looks pretty sustainable because it looks like a young team coming into their own. Doesn't look like, oh, they just got hot for a couple of weeks. And no, this looks like a young team coming into their own. Like, that's that's not bad value, I think, for Shea Gilgis Alexander, a plus 400 for MVP over at ESPN. Well, when he ended the season last year, uh, fourth in scoring, averaging 31 point. Um, Four points per game. So this is back to back seasons. You're seeing him balled out. Now I understand he he balled out way before then, but you know, averaging thirty in the yeah. NBA, man, that's not easy. Now that's that's not like going to the store. Me and you, gay, and we buying a, a bag of Skittles, the red bag and the purple bag. And if you want to put the light blue bag in there too, it's, it oh, it don't work like that. The young man has really worked on this game year in and year out. And it's and it's and I just love seeing guys understand the work you have to put in. But then it shows on the court, on the field, or whatever sport they play. Or if we're talking about everyday life, if you grind and work hard at your craft, then positive things are going to happen for you. And then you see, I think it's going to be a free agent destination that people will want to go to, even though Oklahoma City isn't the best place to probably live. But if you, you see all these young stars that they have and these young players that they have, why wouldn't you want to join them and – Try to go win an NBA championship. Oh, I think yeah. If if there if SGA is committed to being OKC, people are going to come to him. Yep. And the biggest example of that is the city I'm in. I do a show in Milwaukee every morning. The Bucks traded for Damian Lillard this offseason because Giannis was here. Like that's that's the big thing. Like, you know, is is Milwaukee an NBA destination? We don't have a great beach like Miami. We're not a huge city like New York or LA. But Giannis was here, and the opportunity to win was here. So Damian Lillard went. Yeah, that's where I want to be. If SGA continues on this track, that's what OKC is going to be as long as he continues to commit to them long-term in the future. Coming up next, we want to hear from you. Which NFC quarterback do you have the most confidence in? That's next on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. You can also listen to Freddie and Harry live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app, the Freddie and Harry podcast.